can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy. And thank you to all of you who joined me today. I am just delighted to be with you again and share more insights that I've been gaining of myself over the years. But before we get into today's show, I want to thank you again for all of you who have sent uh, comments to me to talk to me about your own issues and, and how I can support you and all of that. I deeply appreciate that. So I just want all of you to know there's hope, there's healing. There's the power of finding your most beautiful self, and it's all in your hands. It's in our hands as we work together. Three ways you can get a hold of me. First of all, on the website, www.thedivineiswithinus.com. Second way, on Facebook. Same five words, The Divine Is Within Us. And Gmail, thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. So please send me your thoughts, your comments, your questions. I would be very happy to uh, respond to you and support you in any way that I can. So the first 13 weeks of this show, I spent a lot of time developing the foundation upon which I choose to build uh, my shows for the next year. And I'm just delighted to know that it has brought healing to many people so far. But I had to lay a foundation so that you would know the positive part, the positive aspects of everything that I'm trying to share. And we talked about overcoming guilt and shame and living beyond false guilt and celebrating all our mistakes. We talked about dancing on the delights of our imperfections. We talked about the power there is in loving our own self. We talked about the human shadow, what that is and how to find light in our dark places. We've talked about claiming the gifts and pain and suffering, moving from a focus on external things to what is inside, to prioritize that and live free. And last week I talked about the power of choice. So now I'm turning the corner a bit with today and the next uh, three shows, and actually probably more than that, but I'm in the process of developing all that. But the next three shows, and beginning with today, I want to focus on what really is the problem for most people, the problem they have encountered in religion. I should say problems because it's more than one. So today I'm going to get started talking to you about what the church has been doing that is exactly what they've told you not to do. Today's show is called The 95 Sins of the Christian Church. I'll tell you more about that in just a bit. But I've written about this for many years, and it comes out of my own experience from early on in life, the fundamentalist aspect of the Christian church. I was raised under its condemnation, shame, and guilt, the smallness that I was pushed into the corner. I was told what I was supposed to be and not what I wanted to do and be. But the more I studied and read and explored the history of the church, the more I gained my freedom from its theological grip. The church has never been uh, or has always been rather a source of fear rather than a source of healing. The church has always been 
a source of wounding for the human spirit. The damnation that they teach is far more wounding than it is healing, nurturing, and loving. This is all because the early church fathers chose a path different than what Jesus or Yeshua had taught, and they left him in the dust of history, pushed him along uh, the way to the wayside, and left him laying there. They didn't care. Their theology and their dogma was now more important. The perpetrator, enemy, uh, enemies or, or energies, rather, I'm sorry, of the church and its theological control has produced only victims, not healthy people. Perpetrator energies will always do that. The church is built on an insecure masculine syndrome, and this has gripped the church since the ego of the church fathers got in the way and pushed aside Yeshua's message. Their religion was far easier than it was to practice what he taught. Their sins are many. It was Martin Luther who is credited with the beginning of the Reformation, the, the Protestant Reformation, that is, late in the 16th century. He outlined the church's sins in what he thought was his 95 thesis, what he nailed to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. He began what was later called the Reformation. The Reformation, though, didn't accomplish a return to Yeshua's teachings at all. Instead, it only served to begin the Protestant movement, and that never did, nor ever has it as a whole, returned to what Jesus Yeshua taught. Even the liberal parts of Christianity today know nothing of the Aramaic language. You don't hear them talk about it. You don't hear them teach it. Therefore, I offer this today, the 95 sins of the Christian church, as a call to the church to either practice what their Lord, as they call him, Yeshua, Jesus, taught, or close your doors and stop pretending. It's time to get real. It's time to, to wake up. Very few, if any, Christians in the church have ever heard one Aramaic word that Yeshua spoke. So, you heard me talk about that, and I'll do a lot more of that in the future. But let's get started on our list of 95 sins. Now I know that if I took a minute for each one, we'd have uh, far more than the time we have for this show. So I'm going to go through as many as I can, and you'll find the details on these on my website, uh, the very first page. There's a text there called the, the When Men Are the Weaker Sex. It's about the history of the things I'm talking about today. Okay, sin number one. Now, use the word sin because that's a church word. I know that Yeshua never, ever said the word. So, just want to remind you of that. The church erroneously calls Jesus their Lord. He said, do not call me Lord unless you're practicing the things that I've taught you. And so, they don't care. And I've lived with this for so many years. I see it all the time. He said, if you hear my words and do not do them, you're like a house that is built on the sand, and you will fall flat when the storms come. And today, the church is crumbling. There's hardly anybody in the churches anymore under 30, 35 years of age. As the older people die off, the church dies. So what did they do? They had to build mega churches as a proof in their thinking that they're alive and well. But a mega church is only a symbol of death, because if they weren't afraid, they wouldn't have to build such mega structures. They wouldn't have to live in that energy. So that's the first one. The church is guilty of teaching theology 
and the precepts of men instead of what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Okay, sin number two. The church has distorted the cross, the Roman death symbol, into a sin and redemption theology. Jesus never taught that we are sinners who deserved eternal punishment from some God up in the sky. Rather, he taught that the kingdom of heaven, the presence of the divine itself, is within you and me and every single person on the planet. We are it. And that's what this show is all about. The divine is within us and how we can know that. So, we are divine beings and we have a temporary human experience. We do not need an external church to go sit down in and warm a pew and think we know something by hearing a sermon. Sin number three, the church does not exemplify people who love the divine with all their heart and soul and mind. Instead, they love their pulpits. They love their control. They love their rules. They love their buildings. They love their theology. And more than anything else, the church loves its authority because you have to be controlled. The church has never been known for loving anything except themselves. They've never been known for loving the, the power, the, uh, the energies of, of the source of our life. They've never been known as a, for the, the power of loving one another. They've never been known as a world-class example of loving their neighbors or especially their enemies. The church, the religion of the church, enjoys making people feel shame, worthlessness, and guilt before an external God before whom they have to bow and pretend that everything is okay, that God is false. Yeshua said so. Sin number four, you've never been known for loving your neighbors as you love yourself. Oh, do they love themselves, or so they think. You'd rather condemn the church down the street for having some kind of an inferior theology instead of finding ways to include them in your lives, even as fellow Christians. You do not hold regular classes and study groups to explore ways to love your neighbors. I don't know of any place that ever has done that. I've challenged dozens of preachers to do it. Prove who you are. Hold classes on how to do what Yeshua said was the greatest commandment. The next time I find a church doing that will be the very first one I've ever seen. So, Hold classes, study groups, prove who you are. Be the world-class example of loving your neighbors. Jesus said, Yeshua said, in his story about the Good Samaritan, which they forget. They do not understand the fullest part of that story. But today they would label it socialism instead of what Yeshua said. And you've heard me say this before, I think, but just to mention it briefly, that the Samaritan came down the road. He saw this man who was beaten, laying by the roadside. And instead of passing him by like the, the religious men did, he stopped. And he looked at him, and he bound up his wounds. He said, wait a minute, this guy needs some help. And he did all he could to care for him. Then he took him to an inn where he could get medical help. And he gave the people there money to take care of him. And they said, I'll return. If I owe you more, I'll pay you that later. And right there, my friends, health care, caring for someone else's health care needs was part of Yeshua's teaching. Today, we hear, oh, no, that's socialism. We can't do that. We can't let people uh, get 
uh, healing and health on our tax dollars and blah, 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 blah. Capitalism is not more important than any other form of human, human society. We're coming up on time for a break right now. So I'm going to be making my list a little shorter if I can. I'll be back with you in two or three minutes. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So let's get on with our list. Sin number five. The church has not taught people how to love their own self as Yeshua required. In their self-righteousness, which is the real problem, in the energy of their egos, they have not taught the reality of loving one's own self. They think it's selfishness. Oh, that's terrible. To love yourself? How sinful, how bad. No, the problem is this. When you don't understand who you truly are, then you don't understand what it is you're loving. If you see yourself as sinful and wicked and all that stuff that the church has taught, then how can you love that except you're just even more bad, shall I say, because you do that? No, self-love is not selfishness. Self-love can happen when we begin to understand that we are more than just this really small, wicked, sinful little human being that we've been told by religion. When we understand that we are the divine in human form, then we can begin to love who we are and to also know that we are a unique expression of the divine. Every single one of us, you are unique. Your life is unique. This planet needs you, my friend. It needs you. We don't understand that to love oneself is to actually love the divine who is within us and that unique being that we are. 
I could go on and on about that one, but I'll save that for another time. Sin number six, you don't love your enemies, nor do you teach others how to do it. I've seen so many, just recently, we see it on television, we see it in some of the presidential candidates, et cetera, et cetera, who would rather go to war. They say they're Christian, but let's go to war. Let's kill these infidels. One guy yesterday said, we need to nuke every Muslim country in the world. Wow, how loving is that? But it's because they don't know how to love their enemies. I say, if we stop labeling people as enemies, we will never have an enemy. Is war okay if other kids are killed instead of our own? Is war okay if Muslims die instead of Christians? Come on, let's wake up. Even churches consider other churches to be their enemies, and they find excuses for not loving the church down the street. Oh, that church is too liberal. Oh, that church is this. Oh, it's that. You consider anyone who holds different theological views to be your enemy. Church, yes, you do. And I say it's time to stop that nonsense. It's time to wake up. When the disciples around Yeshua wanted to rebuke uh, another man who was teaching uh, what Jesus taught, but he wasn't part of their group, what did Jesus say? Peter said, should we go rebuke him? See, the same thing as the church today. But Yeshua said, no. What is that to you? You just mind your own business and follow me. Let other people do and walk their own path. So number seven, they do not teach that we must give birth to a new self continuously. The reason they don't know about that is because that is buried deeply in the Aramaic language. What they did is come up with a dogma of, you must be born again. Oh, and nobody's ever really understood that because there's no way that dogma or theology can give birth to anything. No way. It's impossible. We cannot give birth to a new self just by believing something in our heads. Instead, the church falsely teaches a theological born-again concept that is totally foreign to what Jesus taught. Theology is not a part of Jesus or Yeshua's picture anywhere at all. They take the easy way out, and all they say is, oh, I'm not perfect, but I'm just forgiven, instead of changing their inner self. Sin number eight, you've replaced the one you call Lord with fourth century theology. For you, church, Jesus is really dead. Patriarchal theology is no substitute for walking in the energy of Yeshua's teaching. It's easier to go to church and act piously without bothering to practice the really difficult actions that he taught. Beliefs are always easier than action. People run around and say, i got a personal relationship with Jesus or whatever, with God. I say, oh, really? Show me how you're living what he taught, and I'll believe you. Give me a list or You are not telling the truth. I've actually said that to two or three preachers. It wasn't appreciated, but they got the point. I'm doing my best to walk my talk. And I have several friends that I've said, if you catch me not walking my talk, please tell me. I want to make sure I do. And that is exactly what I want to choose, or what I choose to live and want others to do for me. Sin number nine, your holy men in the church have been extremely unholy in their destructive behavior 
of your pedophiles. Now, this statement goes mostly to the Roman Catholic Church, but not totally. What have we learned from the pedophile issue? All we've learned is that they hide it, they push priests around, they take them from one place, put them in another, they don't report it to the police. They have been hiding their sexual perversions for centuries and centuries. You've made it sex sinful, church, for all who are not married, but you excuse yourselves from that edict, and then you indulge in the pleasures that are criminal. The altar boys are not your property. Sin to number 10, you've deeply wounded and condemned our friends who love other, others of the same sex. Homophobia, yeah, church is full of it. Jesus never, ever spoke one word against our gay friends, the LGBT community. I support them totally. I prefer the feminine myself, but I have good friends, really good friends, great men who are openly gay men. Men in the church, yes, beautiful people, and I have lesbian friends who are beautiful people as well. I have a transgendered friend down in Ohio, a beautiful friend. I support my LGBT friends. But the church, you've mostly kicked them out of the church and refused to do the same to your priests who have been criminals in the same-sex act with boys. Is that not something you should also fear or speak against? <clears throat> you have erroneously labeled gay or lesbian love as an abomination without taking the time to also read that if somebody eats shrimp or lobster or makes gravy for their potatoes or shaves their faces, they're guilty of exactly the same abomination in your text in Leviticus. I heard one just yesterday or day before some preacher to try to get around that because he knew that that text was for the Hebrew people and all that text is saying because the, the word for abomination is tova and it means a kosher word. All that verse is saying is that it's not kosher for a Hebrew man to be gay. It is not a wickedness. It's not a sin. It is not the abomination that the church loves to quote. So my friends, this guy on the on the uh, Facebook, I think it was, said, oh, all those Levitical laws are all for gay people, thinking that he could stick it all in that corner and make them, all, oh, they're guilty too if they make gravy or eat shrimp or lobster, but we're not. It's amazing the theological acrobatics that they go through to keep themselves from being guilty. Sin number 11, you have all wounded women by accusing them of being more easily deceived than men and denying them a voice in your churches. Jesus never condescended or condemned women at all, never ever treated them as being less than men. His honoring of women was purposely left out of the Bibles. Women are equal to men. Women are as important they're smarter than men are in some cases. They're stronger than men are in some cases. Women are not the weaker sex. Men are when they're acting like fools and try to control. Women, I support you. I'm a strong defender of the feminine. We men, we must also learn to access our own feminine side. 
If Yeshua was anything, he was a beautiful balance between the, the masculine, the light side masculine, and the light side feminine. Yes, he had the power to get things done. He saw that caring, loving energy of protection, but he also was healing and loving and nurturing and held compassion deep within. He was a balance of both. And men, we must learn to access our feminine side too if we're going to be truly as strong as we'd like to think we are. The churches made St. Paul their savior instead of Yeshua because they give more authority to Paul's words than they do to the direct teachings of Yeshua himself. Paul was not an apostle, even though he lied and claimed to be. He never ever met Jesus, which was the true test for one's being an apostle. They had to have met him in the flesh. Paul never did, and yet he lied and claimed to be the chief of all the apostles. But the church honors Paul's ego more than they do the words of the one they call Lord. They love Paul because they love his control-focused theology and the benefits that it brings to them. I say with a huge amount of confidence, Paul did not know Jesus at all. He even said in one of his writings that it's okay if he lied as long as his lies were promoting the kingdom of heaven. I say shame on you, Paul, and I say shame on the church for pushing Jesus and Yeshua aside and going with the male-dominated theology of separation, of division, and all the illusions that come with that kind of thinking. Number 13, you teach the false doctrine of a burning hell where God, some, your God up in the sky will punish all who don't see things your way. There is no hell. My friends, you can find proof of that on my website. The article is called, Noel, Noel, There Is No Hell. I take every scripture reference to that word and I give, make a study of it. The truth is there is no word for hell in Jesus' na native tongue, the Aramaic language. It was impossible that he would have ever said the word, and he never ever taught, even remotely, that such a possibility exists. There is no hell. That was fabricated by the church. The Hebrew people do not b believe in, in a hell either. In fact, you find still the, the word hell all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. What's the deal here? Instead of translating the word as Sheol or Hades or some unknown place, the church chose to write the word hell in every place where it does not belong. It's, it's history. It's truth. I challenge you to prove me wrong because I know what I'm talking about. Just ask any Hebrew rabbi if I'm not telling you the truth. So, I like the idea of Noel, Noel, there is no hell. Yeshua never taught that. He never taught the idea of sin either. Because in the Lord's Prayer, he said, the, the cords of mistakes wrapped around us, not the cords of some sin that makes us guilty. So, the sins of the church are many, and the list is long. We're not nearly halfway through, but I'll get as far as I can today, and the rest I'll tell you where to find. It's time for another break. I'll be right back. The 
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. Okay, we've got a ways to go yet, but as I said, we'll get as far as we can. And you can find all the rest of the 95 cents on the first page of my website, the, the article called When Men Are the Weaker Sex. Anyway, sin number 14. <laughs> the church falsely teaches a doctrine of heaven where only those in their group will go to, and then they're going to be walking on streets of gold. Oh, my goodness. I remember my mother so many times singing that song about walking on the, in the streets of gold. And I, I wondered as a kid who loved to roll in the grass, why would anybody want to walk on streets of gold? How uncomfortable. And yet, they forget that when we die, we are not going to have a body. The church, again, through Paul, has invented the idea that where there's going to be such a thing as a resurrection body. And then, because the, their God is going to put everybody back in bodies, he must be somehow going to make specially strong asbestos bodies for those he's going to throw in hell. Why? Because they sell, say that hell lasts forever. So therefore, their God had to make resurrection bodies for people that will be in fire and never get burned up and still be able to be tormented forever and forever and forever. I'm sorry, church. I don't believe that stuff. That is a lie. Yeshua never taught that. We will be back in spirit form when we leave here. We will be back in the truest sense of bliss and delight and the presence, the fuller presence of the divine itself. We have gotten so used to physical bodies here that we don't understand the beauty and the freedom of being back in spirit form. Think about it. There is so much more to know. Sin number 15, you falsely proclaim that you have a Messiah. You call him Jesus, but it's not the truth. A Messiah that will return to rescue 
rescue you rather and all those who are theologically like-minded and then kill the rest of us and send everybody to hell. Wow, what a beautiful belief that is. What a loving belief that is. And yet, the truth is that the Muslims have a Messiah too. The Jewish people have a Messiah as well. And guess what? All three Messiahs are always male, and they're all coming back just for their group. I wonder, hmm, which one will win? (laughs) None of them, because it's not the truth. It's time to heal this planet and love one another instead of looking for the quickest way out of here. I'll guarantee you one thing, church. No one is coming back to take people out of here when they haven't been practicing what they claim to know. If you haven't been practicing the words of your Lord, he's, how could he be coming back for you? Answer that. Oh, because of some theological salvation? No way. Sin number 16. You've sold tickets out of hell to those who believe your fear-based theology. They sell tickets by collecting tithes and offerings. And, oh, if you just come and believe the doctrines, if you just come and believe what we're telling you, you're all going to be spared this torment and this future punishment. Sorry, that's only a capitalist ideal, and it's not the truth. Sin number 17, you spent more money on your buildings and, and your houses of religion, should I say religious businesses, than you have on hungry children. The gold in the Vatican could feed the hungry world. Instead, it lavishes the halls of those who protect pedophiles and dishonor women. This is nonsense. And I call the church to repent. That is not the truth. When will you obey the teachings of Yeshua and take care of the orphans, take care of the widows, take care of the hungry? When will you do what he taught? Just chalk it up to socialism? No. No way. You can't get away with that one at all. When will you do it? When will you practice what he taught? When will you do that or close your doors? The church is mentally and physically, this is sin number 18, tortured those who are gay without remembering that they share the same divinity as you do. Of course, if you don't know that you uh, are the, have the divine within, then nobody else does either, except those who believe in your dogma. The truth is, every human being has the kingdom of heaven within. Every human being. It's pretty hard to find. Yes, that's true. But Yeshua said, don't let your light become darkened, because when it does, that is a very sad place to be. It'll never be put out. The light will always be there, but very, very, very dim at times. And so, what do we do? Are you going to keep on harassing and condemning and criticizing our gay friends? Or are you going to wake up and know that they also are those who have the divine within? Sin number 19. You physically tortured children in your parochial schools and instilled in them a fear, a perverted fear. I say the church and their schools are guilty of criminal child abuse. To teach some the kind of fears that are not real, 
the kind of fears that control them and torment them and give them nightmares and, and as they learn about a God that isn't real, the divine that is not real at all. Children have been forced to eat bars of lye soap. They've been actually hung on crosses in closets. They've been through all kinds of torture just to make them afraid because fearful children or fearful adults are those who can be controlled. Fear was never a tool of Yeshua. Instead, he did all he could to remove fear with the power of love. And we're going to be seeing much more about that in just two or three weeks. Sin number 20. Gee, we've got a long way to go. <laughs> in countless instances, you've stood back in silent approval of war instead of doing what Jesus said, Yeshua said, you should have done. Have you forgotten that he said if you live by the sword or the jet bomber or the laser beams or the helicopters or the bullets and the, all the guns? And No. If you live by those, you will die by those. When he said, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword, that's exactly what he meant. Whatever you take up to hurt other people and kill other people and make yourself the only one that's right is the very issue and the very energy by which you will die. Why is it that wars always seem to protect the style of living while, we, while they kill the infidels. Who's the infidel? Oh, it's always easier to label somebody else as the infidel instead of looking deep inside and seeing the part of our own selves that at times are also the very things that we call other people. Sin number 21. You've changed the old texts and the manuscripts into your predetermined theology. You chose the text that you liked rather than the ones that were really available for people to read for themselves. No, you chose what you wanted. You made a pile and you labor, uh, labeled that God's word or God's truth. You put it together in a book. You burned everything you didn't like. I say that the gold letters on a black Bible doesn't make it true. What is the truth? The truth is, Yeshua has spoken, the divine has spoken, and the most important part of that is deep within your own self. Your intuition, your highest self, is where you can learn to listen for the truth. Nobody needs a book in their hand that they bow down to as an idol. No one. Oh my, let's see, the list is still long. <laughs> Number uh, 22, I believe it is. You have systematically destroyed the thousands of writings that you didn't want to be put in your book because you didn't want people to think for themselves. And you burned them. You hid them. But as I've told you before, my friends, we now have what's called the Nag Hammadi Library, a, an English rendering of all those old texts that the church burned, and it's available today in English. I've mentioned it before, and I'll be saying much more about that later. Sin number 23, the church is nothing more than a business, and it greedily follows capitalist ideals. The truth is today, money is the god of the church in far too many ways. How many preachers, megachurch preachers and television preachers, live in multi-million dollar homes? 
Their salaries are multi-million dollar. And they bask in the delights of prosperity. They teach prosperity. Uh, excuse me. You can have all you want, but when it owns you, you've got a problem. There's nothing wrong with owning something, but when it owns you, you've got a huge problem. It looks to me like they, they just revel in all of the money and the power that they have. I don't want to be too judgmental at this point, but I do know that for preachers to have multi-million dollar salaries and to be worth uh, tens of millions of dollars is not exactly what Yeshua had in mind. Sorry, church, but capitalism has become your God. You need to wake up and find out what is truly real. Well, there are so many more. Sin number 25. I think I'm going to pass one up there, but anyway. Uh, you've based your religion on sin, guilt, and shame and an angry male God. Jesus never taught that. Yeshua never said anything about that. It's all found in the Aramaic Lord's Prayer that we'll be looking at in detail in a couple of weeks. There are so many, so many errors, so many sins of the church. And the point is, what the church focuses on and accuses others of is just like we do it as human beings. What we look at other, somebody else, another person, and say, you're guilty of that. If I just look in the mirror, I'll find the other person who's guilty because I don't usually notice what somebody else might be guilty of unless I'm guilty myself. And so it's so easier, so much easier to see that in somebody else, to look at them and accuse them of being the guilty one. And the church loves to call themselves the righteous ones. Nonsense. You are not. That's just more theology. So what are we going to do about it? Either we decide that we're going to transform our own shadow and stop accusing other people, or we're just going to go along the easy way, and we're going to keep warming a pew on Sunday morning, we'll keep talking about other people's badness, but ignoring our own. I'm sorry, but religion and theology is the path to destruction. They are exactly what they claim they're not. And I say today it's time for the church to confess their sins and do something about it. This is the greatest task that they are facing. Will they do it? I'll be right back after another break. The Seventh Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. 
Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian. Available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So I'm going to be sorting through the list here in the last few minutes of the show. And again, you can find all these details on the first page of my website, as I've mentioned before. So, another sin. Sin number 30 on my list. You've told people that some God requires repentance and confession of sins, remorse, and church attendance. Again, you've forgotten what your own Bible says. Your Bible says in the book of Micah, what does this God require of you but to practice justice, to love kindness, and to walk in humility? There's no God anywhere that requires somebody to go to church, somebody to listen to a sermon, somebody to watch some drama on a stage or listen to rock bands playing Christian music or multimedia screens and all the charade of the mega churches today. No, it's time to put all that aside. The real divine is within you. It's not up in the sky. It's not anywhere else, but it's in you and every other human being. But sin number 33, the church bows down and worships their Bible as the word of God. I'm sorry, but God, your God, didn't write anything. Then you replace the practice of truth with just beliefs in it. Just because you believe some truth in your head doesn't make you one who practices it. So, if your Bible truly is the Word of God, then why aren't you obeying it? That's my question. Why aren't you searching it? Well, I'll tell you what, because you'd find some very serious contradictions. And next uh, two weeks, I'll be talking about that. In fact, uh, two weeks from today. There are at least 127 different contradictions in their so-called holy book. And I'm going to bring those out and tell you what many of those are and where you can find the complete list. So, the church goes on. It has conveniently ignored the commandment, thou shalt not kill. But no force on earth has killed more people than the Christian church. History proves that to be true. And this happened with the slaughter of people in Europe, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, where Pope, uh, let's see, is it Gregory? I'm not sure. When he and the Council of Trent decided they had to go after all these bad people, they began 500 years of slaughtering people that didn't agree with their theology. That's how beautiful the church is. The conquistadors, Columbus himself, when he went to Central America, most Christians don't know. Columbus burned the natives in groups of 13 inside their grass huts. He 
collected them, put them together, and torched them all alive. Why 13? He did it, as he said, to honor Jesus and the 12 disciples. I tell you, there is nothing worse, nothing more heinous than that kind of thing. But the church did it. And back in Europe, whoopee, we found the new world. Now let's go either convert or slaughter all these terrible people. The church is guilty of that. There are so many other things. You've forgotten what your own book says about showing mercy. Loving kindness is not the strong suit of the Christian religion. Your reputation, rather, and we see it every day in the news, your reputation is one of condemnation, isolation, shunning other people, labeling other people, and making all other people into those who are shamed and shameful right here on the earth. We're seeing that more today than we've seen in recent years. But the strong suit of Christianity is to be righteous in themselves and everybody else is unrighteous. They're the ones that they think their God loves and nobody else can claim that. So they see themselves as the ones who are holy and this and that and on their way to heaven. I'm sorry, church, you're not. You're not. Not until you start practicing what Yeshua taught. Your homophobia, your racism, your misogyny are proof that you do not know one thing about Yeshua. The one you call your Lord, the one you say Jesus, I'm sorry, you don't know him. There is nothing worse today than the Christian church and the ministers are speaking out against homophobia and the LGBT community. So sin number 41 on my list is called, <laughs> You Have Forgotten to Do Justice. The church is not knowing for working for the rights of those who have not, the outcasts of society. It is easier to allow injustice than to correct the wrongs of the greedy 1% and the destruction of all the people that they want to enslave. The church is guilty of at least 95 sins. Someone sent me an email the other day after seeing the announcement, said, only 95? And I said, well, yes, but I'm not even going to get that many talked about on this show. So it's time for religion to wake up. It's time because theology must be replaced with love. Dogma must be replaced with feeding hungry children. Dogma must be replaced by caring for the widows and the orphans, the very thing that Jesus said was vastly important. The greatest commandment, when he was asked which one is the most important, he said very, very clearly in English and Greek and every place else, but in Aramaic as well. And the most powerful statement is there. You must learn to love the divine that is within yourself. You must learn to love yourself and love your neighbors as you love yourself and love your enemies. Do you see, my friends, what he's talking about? Why did he say that that was the greatest commandment? Because to love the divine, to love yourself, to love your neighbors, and to love your enemies, it's all the same thing. We are all one. Just because we don't realize it doesn't make it not so. We are one. And all Yeshua is saying in the greatest commandment is when you love, 
when you love all of this, when you love every source of life, you are beginning to step into the love that will heal the planet. Nothing will heal the planet but loving one another, caring for one another, living in community, where we stop condemning and judging, where we stop making theology and dogma the the path that everybody must travel. But the greatest sin, as I mentioned before, of the church, number 95, their lack of repentance is the greatest. They're telling people, repent, repent, repent. I say to the church, when will you wake up? The Christian church has been floundering in the darkness of deception since they lost the message and the practice of the Aramaic Jesus. Their theology is the greatest darkness the world has ever known. The church's condemnation and judgments result in making people into doormats on which the preachers wipe their feet. You are much, much more than that kind of nonsense. The divine is within you. The church's dogma creates, most of all, besides the guilt and the shame and the smallness, the church dogma creates anger. And today we're seeing more anger, perhaps, from the church and more fear from the church as they claim they're being persecuted, even in the very midst of them persecuting others. To Christianity, I say, you've lost the trust of humanity, and people are leaving the church in droves. When will you awaken? When will you begin to love? I challenge you, Christianity everywhere, practice what Yeshua taught or close your doors. That's about all the time we have for today. I'll be going further with this in the next two weeks, and we'll catch up with you then. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you. You're bound to experience a new life.